welcome to the Messy Antics Podcast, a podcast about all things Messianic Judaism. Each episode, we will be sharing our opinions as we tackle some of the biggest issues in Messianic Judaism. Now, here's your hosts, Rabbis Eric, David, Jonathan, and Toby. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Messy Antics Podcast. We're excited to be together again today and to uh, to dive into what we hope is another fruitful conversation. Uh, we're going to be touching on something that I'm fairly confident is going to be controversial, which is kind of our go-to thing, um, and that is dealing with the idea of complementarianism versus egalitarianism, or even whether or not there should be a versus, or if there's another alternative that is more biblically accurate um, uh, one way or the other. So we're just going to kind of dive into the question and or the conversation and see where it goes from here. Uh, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, where does everybody stand? Can we, uh, d- like just for, um, there, there may be some people listening that don't know what that is. We should let our historian no. give us a definition. Yeah, uh, yeah, just to give some context about what it, what, what that involves and so, what we're talking about. Yeah, so I had, I'd actually pulled up just a bullet, some bullet points to kind of just so everyone knows and is aware if you're not uh, complementarian. And, yeah, because egalitarian doesn't have anything to do with eagles. No, and complementarian doesn't have anything to do with compliments. But um, uh, complementarianism basically, um, you know, they believe men and women are equal. As people, as you know, again, what was that? Complementarianism. They, they. Um, if you if you hold strictly to that belief, you believe that men and women are equal, right? Okay. In the sense of like being a existing being. You said men and women so fast. That's why. Oh, like, sorry. You and yeah. Well, it's twenty twenty three. I'm trying to like. You know, we were trying, trying to figure out which Hebrew word that yeah, was. Sound like you so, said, sound like you said minimum. 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 So, uh, so yeah, they believe men and women are the same in. Um, in value, but right. in sense, in the sense of uh, doing, in the sense of practice, um, and uh, what their goal uh, requirements are, what roles and responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. Yeah, that's um, that they're different, and that they not only are different, but they actually should be uh, enforced their their differences. So, you know, for example, men, men and only men can hold leadership positions over other men. Um, you know, uh, women can hold positions in uh, you know congregations that are not, as long as they aren't in authority over men, right. quote unquote. Um, but men can be authority over women and men. Yes, well, men are, men are the men are the the pinnacle in the complementarian view of of authority. But women can only be over women. Um, they hold a patriarch. Pa- pa- uh, patriarchal view of the family. So, father, you know, father's the head of the family. Um, you know, mom is you know the best the the sort of the best view of what mom is or wife is supposed to be is you know stay at home. Uh, you know, maybe you know, a lot of them homeschool. So, mom stays at home and homeschools. Barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. Yeah, uh, sells essential oils on the side. Um, the view, uh, and that, you know, but they do hold the view that, you know, men are not supposed to be, you know, they hold the view, let me preface this, they hold the view that men are not supposed to be tyrannical or oppressive, but that they're supposed to love their wives as Messiah loved um, uh, the body. And so uh, that they're not supposed to be these abusive things. However, uh, we can get more into that later, how you may hold that view, but in practice it turns out to be different a lot of times. Egalitarians, uh, again, it's like complementarians. There may be a, a wavelength of differing opinions, but basically they hold the view that men and women are equal and men and women can hold positions of leadership within congregations to include that, – that means that women can also be in places where they can teach and be uh, hold authority and decision-making um, 
that men would have to adhere to. So they can right. be quote unquote over men. You know, it's it's a little oversimplistic, but um, as I'm describing these, uh, spouses are equally responsible for the family. So you know, it's not moms responsible just for kids and the dishes and the laundry and the right. running the household. Um, but mother and father, husband and wife are responsible for the functional uh, for the functioning of the household. Um, and all decisions are made, and all jointly. this, all this, all decisions are made. Um, you know, for the most part, jointly. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't say that complementarians don't think fathers and husbands have a role in the household. They do, t- but it tends to be things like you know, you fix the house, you take care of the house, you earn the money to repair the house. It's uh, you know, you 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 hold the authority for you know if children are misbehaving. You are the disciplinarian in the house, that kind of thing. So it's not like complementarians don't hold that view. But uh, so egalitarians are you know both are responsible. Uh, marriage is a more of a partnership of two equals submitting to one another, uh, as tends to be the egalitarian view, and that the roles are should be more ability based than they are based on gender specific. So that's kind of in a nutshell, very oversimplified version yeah. of what those two are. So egalitarians more men and women equal; they can do anything uh, yeah. that the other one does. Well, for example, in a compliment, right? And right. a, a complementarian household. Most likely what you would find, um, or the expectation I think you would find in a congregation of what a husband should be doing is uh, dad brings in the money, and dad needs to do the budget and control the bank and the finances and kind of govern you know, the spending of the family. Um, whereas the wife may actually be better at it, but it's not. But because he's the father of the household, mm-hmm. he's the man of the house, he's in charge of all the financial decisions um, as per the family. Right. Anyway, so but whereas an egalitarian view would be, mom actually has better math education. Mom's actually better at right. balancing a checkbook. So mother and wife actually do yeah. could do that instead of the father. And you know maybe she even makes more of the financial decisions of where the money goes, um, which wouldn't necessarily be you know making decisions for the family like and ultimate ultimately. But like she, you know, may have a better understanding of the grocery bill. And so, okay, here's I'm I'm going to allocate this money to the grocery. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I'm I'm asking that not because I don't want anybody to think that listening. What well, Rabbi Toby doesn't know. He's asking that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. So Jonathan can answer these for the listeners yeah. in case there's anybody that's like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, I think everybody knows. Like, for instance, I knew what the what what those were before I knew they had a label like a Galatarian. Sure. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm on the wavelength. I will tell you about my personal marriage with my wife. Um. We are mostly egalitarian. Yeah. Like, um, and I want everybody to remember that when when um, Paul gives instructions uh, to, uh, I believe he's given instructions to Timothy or, he's, or the Ephesians. It's one or the other because Paul overlaps a lot in what he says. He's saying a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's either Ephesians or, or he's talking to Timothy in one of his letters. And he says, the first thing he is when he gets into the husbands, submit, uh, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. The first thing he actually says is submit to each other. Yeah. So there is a level of submission for husbands and wives submitting to each other, right? Yeah. Um, I think that um, for me and Brooke, we're, my wife, we're mostly egalitarian and that we, um, we, we, if I'm if I'm good at something, I'll take care of it. If she's good at something, she'll take care of it. I don't. I'm not over the purse, 100. Uh, percent We 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 don't consult each other about purchases unless they're like a certain amount of money and things like that. Yeah. Um. I 
know that Brooke looks, but we have some complementarian tendencies. I know Brooke looks at me as the spiritual head of the home. That doesn't mean I command. Yeah, yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, is that there have been seasons and times when Brooke has been stronger spiritually than me, and vice versa. See, we you know we bear each other's burdens, right? Yeah. And um, I don't think it's healthy at all to have this like domineering male and this and, and man, husband, and the wife is this little house mouse. Yeah. I think that God wants men and women to be strong in the Lord. And I think that, um, so that's my personal thing. As far as in, in, in the synagogue and in, in ministry, in, in the, whether it's a church or a synagogue, Messianic synagogue, but let's talk about Messianic synagogues. This is Messianics. I'm just going to be honest. I wouldn't be comfortable under a female authority as a rabbi, I wouldn't be. I know Brooke would be. She's a woman. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't be. I would prefer a male leadership, and I think that God has a pattern. And if we look at Scripture, God, uh, even in the situation with De- uh, Deborah, the judge, God tried to, God went through Barak, and he just flaked out. And Deborah's like, okay, well, I'm going to get the credit, right? Well, let me, let me say this uh, okay. in that, that... Deborah was a judge of Israel before the battle with Barak right. and all that. Yeah. So, so, she was so those are two separate things. She was already in a position okay. as the judge of Israel, and then they're going out to fight, and Barak is sent is the Lord's telling him to go out and defeat this enemy. Yeah, and he says, "I'm only going to go if Deborah comes with me." And so, uh, there, we sometimes look at that as if if there was a man available. Then Deborah wouldn't have been the judge. We don't really know that from the text. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, we definitely but, don't get that from the scripture. But what, what's interesting with all this is, to me, is it's funny because we were talking about what were we going to talk about yesterday, and then today when I open up my Facebook, and I know my son's going to have some smart aleck remark about Facebook um, and my my uh, process of it. Uh, but there was a post that somebody reacted to that I wrote. In 2019, about this topic, just out from nowhere, I wrote this in, in 2019. That was that was pre-COVID, so I mean that's way back. Yeah, way back. This is like in the old times, the old yeah. days, you know, the old country. Uh, and and here's what I had wrote, and and this was actually in a response to a John MacArthur statement about women preachers that he made way back then. Uh, so I had I, this is what I wrote. I have had a number of people ask me to respond to John MacArthur's statement about women preachers. So here's my response. I don't know what I think about women preachers, but I know I would not be a believer if it wasn't for one. I know that one taught me most of what I learned as a young believer. I know that when I asked her questions, she took time to answer. So while I don't know what I think about women preaching, I also know what I think isn't as relevant as what God thinks. And he chose to use a woman to help change my life. So so what I wanted to say here is I agree with Toby to a great extent. Uh, I don't know how comfortable I would be in a congregation that was primarily led by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but that how, doesn't mean, yeah, and what I, just to finish my thought, right. I just was saying I wouldn't be comfortable, but that doesn't mean that if another man's comfortable submitting to that authority – that it's wrong, I think that's fine. Right, and the truth is, I don't know that my being uncomfortable isn't my problem, uh-huh. rather than <laughs> sounds like a personal issue. Rather than God's problem. In other words, there's a lot of things that I look yeah, at, and I me. it could be me very much. But but here's the thing, and when it comes to egalitarian and complementarian mentalities, the real dividing issue comes with that the leadership aspect, because even the most egalitarian. Uh, couple have to have somebody ultimately that makes a decision when there's a division. 
Somebody, either the man or the woman, somebody is the final, okay, this is, I, we've talked about it, now we're going to do this. Yeah. And in the most complementarian family, mm. uh, the husband may change the diapers, he may fix the kid's food, he may, so the lines are not as uh, fixed as right. some people say in these things, that there are, yeah. there are yeah. roles only for women and there are roles only for men. The primary argument comes at... Should women be pastors or rabbis or head leaders? Mm-hmm. And and then sub to that is, uh, should women teach men? Uh, almost everybody will say women can teach women. But the, the dividing line is, is not so much all of the other things, yeah. like who does the budget, who does math better, all that. When we actually shake it down, even the yeah. most egalitarian or the most complementarian people— blend those things and the the lines shift back and forth as time goes on but the real kicker is should women be rabbis or should women be pastors or should they be the senior leader in a congregation all the other things there's kind of flexibility or seems to be among most of the people i deal with there's always hard cases on both sides yeah and i think they can be i absolutely think they can be and because i my thing is is that I don't think, like you said, I don't think you can. We can be so hardlined about complementarianism, or you know, or, or even egalitarianism. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I can say that there can be women rabbis and pastors, but at the same time, I can honor the pattern that God has always used for the majority of Scripture, and that's leadership. The, being through a man. Right. We we tend to, uh, and I've heard Rabbi David say this. I haven't heard Rabbi Toby use the expression yet, but I have heard Rabbi Jonathan talk about putting God in a box. We shouldn't put God in a box, except in the case of women being teachers. And and I'm not saying women sh- all women should be teachers or they shouldn't. All, all of those things are, are up for the discussion we're having. But to say God can't use a woman unless... There's not a man available. Right. Yeah. Is to say God can't choose to do something unique and different in aspect. The truth is, in most cases, God doesn't use donkeys. And I'm not equating women with donkeys. Please don't write us and say, yeah, Rabbi Eric, call women donkeys. But the vast majority of the time, God doesn't use donkeys to talk. Right. But he did. Yeah, he can do it. One time. You know, there's all kinds of opportunities that God has throughout Scripture where he used a unique and different method because it was unique and different, Mm -hmm. because it would be noticed, because it would be uh, different. Of all the people that God could have chose to speak on the day of Shavuot, Peter was the last. I mean, if we were looking at the list, Peter would be the guy we'd have left off. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who just finished denying the Messiah. Okay, if we were, if he was in our congregation, just imagine if you needed a speaker for this coming Shabbat because you weren't going to be available, and they gave you a list of the people that were available to speak, and at the bottom of the list was somebody who just denied Messiah. Yeah, right. Uh, he probably would not be the person that we that we chose. We would probably try to choose someone who actually had faith at that moment. Right. Uh, but God chose Peter, who had just denied Messiah. And, and you know, of course, he comes to repentance before. But it, if we looked at that, that would not be the structure we used. But God quite often uses mm-hmm. people that we would think. I mean, look, look at Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, yeah. who before, mm-hmm. on the way to being a executioner of believers, God calls him 
to ministry. Yeah. Right. And it's, and so so we we have to be really careful in our humanity that we don't place God in a box that that reduces his ability to use who he wants to because of our own preconceived uh, notions based on the norm. Right. And the norm is it appears mm-hmm. God chose men uh, to be the primary rabbis, pastors, leaders, and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just because he used them as the primary doesn't mean the only or that that was the only way it could be or should be. Yeah. It's like the whole, you know, and it just, it's always funny to me the people that really fight hard over, like, well, God would never use a woman for as, like, you know, they're always the people who also champion, like, the sovereignty of God as being, like, you know, like, God is sovereign overall. Like, so I'm like, so you, in saying that, as long. think that God is not sovereign, you know, God then can't choose to pick a woman then because, you know, he just wouldn't do that. No, yeah, was, I don't mind, I don't, and I don't mind hearing, uh, I don't mind when ladies and women advocate for being um, looked at uh, in God's eyes as with the same value and with the same potential Yeah, as men. I don't have an issue with that. But the spirit behind it does matter. And there has to be a spirit of humility and and not this, the future is female type spirit you know what i'm saying yeah. so so I, I can tell you having gone you know when i was in school uh i went to uh naya college which is now alliance university but i went to naya college uh for um uh pastoral ministries uh bachelor's in pastoral ministries with concentration of asking jewish studies and uh there were a ton of uh of female students in the pastoral ministries department and uh i i can honestly tell you that, like, for instance, preaching and homiletics classes, most of them were way better than most of the dudes, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they knew the word really well, right? And I think we have a, um, because of, as you guys were saying earlier, like, it's just kind of always been this way, is like, the, that's the support for why women shouldn't be in certain roles or, or, or that certain roles are only for men or however you want to look at it. Um, I, I want to point out one thing, though, that I think is vital to the conversation in terms of, of trying to grasp it in context. Like, we've already talked about Deborah, and, and there are a few other ladies throughout Scripture that were significant leaders in Israel and in the body of Messiah. But one of the primary uh, kind of texts that people use to try and say that women can't be in certain positions in a community uh, is is First Peter, First uh, Timothy three, and then also in Titus, it's kind of reiterated. Um, and First Timothy three deals with like a shepherd, overseer, what we would consider an elder or a pastor, rabbi, kind of a role. Uh, in the first few verses, and then the, the starting in verse eight, he deals with uh, what we'd say in Hebrew, shamashim or servant leaders, uh, deacons, as the the church often calls them. And there's a qualifier in both of those passages, the the one dealing with the elder and the one dealing with the shamash, there's a qualifier in both of them that says something along the lines of that they should be a husband of only one wife. And because of this, people will go, oh, well, it's clear that Paul's talking that this, this elder role, this deacon role is only for men because only men can be the husband of one wife and still be within the constraint of, of, of biblical value and, and, and ethic. Um, the problem with that statement is that in verse 8, uh, where he talks about servant leaders, the word used there that we, we use in Hebrew is shamash, uh, or shamashim plural, uh, in the Greek, the word is where we get the word deacon from, and that word is uh, used there in reference to it. The passage then says that a, a man uh, should be a husband of one wife, and but he uses the exact same word in the Greek as the title for Phoebe in Romans chapter 16 uh, as he's giving his closing. So either... 
either Paul's completely contradicting himself by saying women can't be deacons because women uh, because they can't be a husband of only one wife, or what Paul is saying and what we're extracting from it or what we're inferring from it are not the same, right? And and now I, I kind of lean a little towards where Toby was at at the beginning of the the, the episode that I I honestly I don't have an opinion hard pressed one way or another about what roles women should or shouldn't have. Like I got zero issues with a woman teaching in our congregation and being a part of that. Uh, I've got zero issues with women being leader in, in leadership roles in our congregation. Um, I, I'm kind of like Toby. I don't really know though how I would feel sitting under a senior rabbi that was a female. Not that, and I'm just being honest about it, not that I necessarily could say definitively there is a right or wrong to that. Like whether or not a female rabbi is a senior rabbi is a problem or not. I know uh, earlier when we were talking, uh, Jonathan had mentioned, you know, I I don't have an issue with with them as support rabbis. You know, if if there's three, four rabbis and there's a senior rabbi and a few under them, I don't have an issue with them in that role was kind of Jonathan's perspective earlier today when we were talking. And I can kind of see that. Um, I, I only don't know how I would respond to a female as a senior rabbi because it's again, like we said, it's just not how it's, it's always been this way. And that's, I've always grown up under the, uh, yeah. under male leadership yeah. in a congregation. And I just don't know how I would respond in that scenario. That's not to say that it's right or wrong. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to walk away going, well, Rabbi David just gave this whole support why women could be in these roles, but then undermined it by saying he was, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I don't really, I don't, I don't know how I would feel. If we're honest, like we have to be honest about these. I don't know how I would feel in that scenario. Yeah. And like I said earlier, I don't know if that's because it's wrong or because I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and those are important. You know, it's funny to me. When we talk about, for instance, Jezebel. So Jezebel was the queen of Israel. Her husband Ahab was the king of Israel, but she was kind of in charge and he was kind of did what she said. Yeah. And so whenever a woman starts to rise up in to some kind of authority or position, quite often we'll hear Jezebel they spirit. have a Jezebel <laughs> spirit. Right. But I've, I've never heard anybody say, she has a Deborah spirit. Yeah. Right. You know, Deborah, nowhere in the Bible is Deborah spoken of in a negative way. The Bible doesn't say anywhere there weren't men available or that Deborah forced her way up. Deborah isn't looked at in the Bible or talked about in the Bible like Jezebel. Jezebel clearly was an evil woman. Yes. But Deborah was the primary judge of the nation. She was the one, she sat in the role of Moses as the one that dealt with the problems of the nation that were too large for the local people. You know, some did 10, some did 100, some did, and so on. She was the primary, and and she was such a strong leader and so uh, connected in to God spiritually, or at least in the eyes of Barak, mm-hmm. that Barak said, I'm not going into battle yeah. unless she's with me. Well, and actually, there is a, an argument that Barak is her husband. Because there's, I think the, there's two names given. Uh, the name of her husband is given earlier in the text, like Lapidoth or something. Right. Something like that. I don't have the text in front of me. But th- his name and Barak's name mean the same thing, like flash of light or shining you know, thing. And so there's an argument that like this is there's more to this story than just the surface. Like it's it's right. it's it'd be like yeah. yeah. And I, I want to be Catherine clear. And yeah. be like, hey, Catherine, like I really don't want to go unless you come with me. Right. Which in the ancient days was normal for 
the families to go together to combat. The families would stay in the encampments, and the men would all, you know, skewer each other. Right. And so there's there there's this whole thing going on that we have to understand that that there are women that have that rebellious. I'm going to usurp authority. I'm going to force my way in my will. There are also men that have that same right. attitude. Every one of us that that if you've ever been in ministry, you've ever been in charge, there have been some. There's somebody who was they knew better. They were smarter than you. They yeah. were smarter than everybody else. <coughs> Their way was going to be the way. And so, so to say, the Jezebel spirit. There, right. there is, but, but. There are also Deborahs. There are also women that yeah. God has called and gifted, and for such a time as this, and I hate to overuse oh that expression because yeah, Jonathan loves it so much. Don't even start. But that that God called for a moment or a purpose or a time or a season to uh, be in leadership. Yes, and I do believe that, and I just want to say, just agreeing with Rabbi Eric, that um, it is attitude is important because um, women – in the faith that have this um, air of men suck, we don't need men, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's just as bad as the most misogynistic, you know, toxic male. That's the same, it's the same spirit, different form. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also just want to say, I do believe that the new covenant does bring a new level of egalitarianism. I mean, Paul talks about it several times. Um, well, I actually think it restores a level of egalitarianism yeah. that existed previous. Because if you oh. look all the way down to back to Abraham and Sarah, you know, Sarah tells Abraham to to be with Hagar, and the whole thing <coughs> happens. And then Abraham goes to God and says, "What should I do?" And God says, "Go ask Sarah and do what she says." There, there's an egalitarian nature to Judaism, to biblical Judaism, but. As with almost everything else, we mess it up. We we re- unalign it and we go on. So, but it definitely is a restoration of that. We have, for instance, Lydia, uh, who is spoken of as a community leader in of believers that Paul goes to, and she's a wealthy woman who uh, hosts the uh, the teachings at her house that Paul goes on to. So you're absolutely right. There is a restoration. In the New Testament of egalitarianism, because it had the the things had been perverted, and, and likewise, uh, Toby, the the uh, we have I I absolutely I don't want anybody to leave this listen to this podcast and leave thinking we don't think that God has a family structure that He ordained with a husband, a wife, children, right. and roles, responsibilities, and ultimately God placed the husband as the covering. For the family now, that's not covering in a um, uh, a dictatorship because God is the king, and right. we're we're His servants. But but the reason we're having so much problem in the world right now is because we've disaligned the family and the community, mm-hmm. and then we we as if both of those things are exactly the same, and, and they're not. So one of the things I think is important to to understand in terms of looking at egalitarian complementarian from the family perspective is 
what Rabbi Eric was just kind of talking about uh, is dealt with pretty heavily in some of Paul's letters. Like in Ephesians, he talks pretty heavily on relationship of husband and wife, relationship of, of parent and child, relationship of, of uh, master and slave. And what's really interesting uh, and I think intriguing to those uh, passages is that you know, for instance, people love to quote the uh, the the um, that the wife should submit to the husband, right? That the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. Rarely do we see somebody quote that the the, the next thing, which is that in order for the wife to be willing to submit, and it's not submit their will, it's not become like under the thumb of their husband, it's not become a slave of their husband, but in order for them to submit their will, not not submit their autonomy, but submit their will in the sense that they trust the husband is the spiritual head of the household, that the husband is going to lead them in a direction that is righteous and holy, right? They're not supposed to submit their will in the sense of they give up all autonomy, but they, they submit out of trust to the faithfulness of their husband. Uh, in order for them to be willing to do that, the husband has to do what he's supposed to do first, Right, which the next thing is, husbands love your wife as Messiah loves the body, yeah. um, and I think so often, especially, especially in the trumped up, and not that all complementarianism is this way, but the trumped up men overlord yeah. perspective well, of let's, complementarianism. And let's not pretend a lot of it isn't that way. Though. Correct, yeah. but the the the, the male overlord complementarian perspective that tends to be out there—that's not at all what God was talking about. That's not at all what Paul was getting at. Paul was saying, "Look, you've got to be willing to lay your life down for." your wife, right? You need to have your heart right, your discipleship right, your walk with the Lord right, your faith right, your your everything in alignment with the will of God for your wife to trust that she can submit yeah. to your authority and your spiritual headship. And if you're not willing to do that, then you can't expect her to submit to you. And and I think that's yeah. why, and, and I don't know if this is the case and if you guys have experienced this as much in your congregation, I kind of feel like it's probably a broad-based uh, reality because I've experienced it in other communities that we've been in, uh, is that Messianic Judaism, um, we somehow we have this like unique uh, um, scenario where we get a lot of wives that come to our congregation before husbands do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sometimes those wives will come for years and the husbands will never show up. Sometimes the husbands will finally come. Like we've had a few that they finally started coming, fell in love with it and started, but it took a while for the wife to come and and do it. And I think a big part of that is those wives are going, hey, I don't see you submitting. I don't see you loving me in the way that the word says you're supposed to love me as Messiah loves the body. So I can't fully submit to your spiritual leadership until we're in alignment with the direction of where this is supposed to go. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think because of the fact that we've kind of screwed up what Paul was getting at and made it what we want it to be so that we can masculine overlord uh, over the women of the world around us, uh, until we can get past that and recognize that there's a give take in that conversation, we're never going to get there. That whole chapter is dealing with order in the body right. of Messiah and there's proper order. And, and with that, I just want to throw out one more thing, which is Proverbs 31, I think, answers this whole question, right? Because Proverbs 31, the, the woman of valor in Proverbs 31, the Ashechayil, she is not under some yeah, it's, authoritative overlord. Yeah, it, she, I just want to throw this in as you uh, jump in before you get into that, is we tend in Christian translations instead of saying a woman of valor which is what it says in the hebrew it says a virtuous woman it actually changes it from a strong female descriptive to a 
She's virtuous. She's, you know, so so it's important. Now go ahead and what you're saying. But if you pay attention to the, the text of the Ashachael in Proverbs 31, she adds to the family finances. She uh, takes care of the family household finances. She uh, buys fields when she yeah. sees it's needed and helps plan and, them. She's very active in the, it's, it's very egalitarian, if you would, the approach. Yeah. And she makes it so that the husband can go and sit at the gate and be respected and yeah. have those those conversations. Which in that case, I I would even say, like, it's not even so much that she's adding to the family's finances, but that she may actually be the core of the family's finances, which yeah. is yeah. like you look at Yeshua's yeah. ministry, you look at Yeshua's ministry, like, where did they get the funds for their ministry? And the Bible, the Brit the, 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 the tells us who funded their ministry. It was, you know, the, the women yeah. that were coming alongside them, the, the wives of wealthy patrons, you know, who were able yeah. to, you know, who, who, because they probably had their hands in the budget and what, the person where the money was being doled out to, they were like, we really fond of this Yeshua guy and and his people traveling around. So we're going to parse out some money to them. And because my husband trusts me with my money, he's probably not even going to ask where it's going necessarily. Yeah. And and to go even back further than Proverbs, which is an excellent verse to talk about the role of women uh, in a family. If you go back to Genesis, where the Bible largely is translated when it talks about. Uh, Adam being created and that it wasn't good for him to be alone. In many Bibles, it describes his female counterpart as a helper or a help meet or whatever word is. In the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew is Ezer Konegdo, which is actually like a military term. It's actually more a term of, uh, to describe it is, if, if you trust somebody, I'm sorry, if you don't trust somebody fully, and you're in a battle, you stand back to back. Because if you're back to back, then you see what's in front of you. And the person that's fighting with you, though you may not fully trust them, sees everything in front of them. And they're going to protect themselves. And because they're protecting themselves, it will protect your backside. This word is actually descriptive of two people who trust each other so much that in the battle, they face each other and look at each other and past each other to defend something that's coming up from the the rear side, from the other side, and that you trust that person so much that even though you can't see behind you, you know that they've got your back. And it's a, it's a military type term. This is this is God saying it wasn't good for Adam to be by himself because he couldn't see behind him. He couldn't protect his rear guard. He couldn't. So I'm going to give him a helper that's so trustworthy and has the the position to watch his back while facing him, so that he can fully trust in her which is totally different from helper like go do my laundry go do my dishes tend to the children do this yeah. that is not at all what this word is you, describing you you describing the meaning of that word now makes me want to go watch the expendables because now i've got a picture of chuck norris and sylvester stallone <laughs> fighting together <laughs> yeah but and, and i mean and just in my own personal view like i honestly think you know hardlining egalitarianism or complementarianism i think is both wrong they're there's some really good ideas in both. There's some really bad ideas and really bad practices that come uh, with both. And we see that in the body, uh, not just Messianic Judaism, but in the you know, body of Messiah as a whole today. Poor decisions um, brought about uh, by both. And, you know, because, and, and, I, and I do hold the view that, like, you know, when people, people really, especially in the complementarian world, they really champion it as, like, you know, this very, like, strong, powerful, masculine view. If you really think about it, like, the complementarian view is very soft 
view only because it can it, most of the time we don't see a complementarian structure exist in the congregational way of doing things m- until the body in an area of the world is very settled it's very comfortable you know most of the world today developing churches developing leadership in in, in christian circles and places that are actually facing persecution and actually facing real hardship places like iran places like pakistan uh, different places in africa most of the leaders there are women most of the people that are spiritually mature enough to lead the bodies there are women and well, that's that's the same for the for the body of believers just in uh, today and, and like in our country right yeah uh, well, what know. i'm saying is, is if, like most churches and synagogues i would probably say probably follow the same pattern but it's yeah, it's, it, it's why like what david right. was saying when well, we see wives come in yeah, uh, first a lot of time. You know, sometimes yeah, I, I think it's like sixty percent or something yeah. like that. It's right. women. You know, it's yeah. it's interesting when complementarianism in its strong side uh, has men demanding submission, demanding things. It reminds me when I was young, I went to a restaurant. With, Go get me a sandwich. Yeah, I went to a restaurant with one of my uncles. And we were the people that were there were all reasonably. These were business people, successful business people, and such. And we're in this restaurant, and this man comes in with almost an entourage of people, and made a big presentation of arriving and being there. And I looked at my uncle, and my uncle said, "You see that guy?" I said, "Yeah, he's new money. He he he's he's trying to make himself seem sure." Yeah. As if he's successful. He wants the heirs of success. But people that are really successful don't have to make a show of it or demand it. Yeah. And and men, if you're if you're submitting to your wife, the, and as Rabbi David said earlier, the before it gets to wives submit to your own husbands, it says husbands' wives submit to each other. But you gotta pass that before you get to the other. But if you if you're really Submitting to your wife, if you're really her covering, if you're really the priest that you're supposed to be, if you're really doing those things, you won't ever have to demand submission. She'll feel so safe with you that she'll come alongside you and walk along as she's supposed to. You'll feel safe with her that you don't have to force her yeah. to be submissive or, or that way. That's the biblical that's the way it's supposed to be. So it's. I agree with Jonathan. I'm. I'm not egalitarian. I'm not complementarian. I'm biblical. I. I think that God can use whom He wants to. I think that primarily we see in the Scripture the example of male leadership primarily, but we also see example of female leadership, and it's not female leadership because there's were no men available, but because God chose and called a woman for that purpose, for that season, for that time, and that God is still in the same business. He chooses who he uses. Whether we like it or not. Whether we like it or not. And because something is out of the norm doesn't make it wrong if God's doing it. And that we need to understand both of these things are are there. I have a a friend who's a rabbi, uh, and I'm not going to mention who he is, and he's a, a, a decent teacher. He's a smart man. But I promise you, I would listen to ten hours of his wife's teaching in the same as much as one hour of his teaching. His wife is so much more an, an, an engaging teacher 
than he is. That when she presents information, it it draws you into what she's teaching. Where when he teaches, he's teaching information. It's good information, and he's a successful leader and has a strong congregation. But his wife is so much more engaging a teacher. It's almost like the difference between listening to somebody who's an, an engaging teacher and the Visine guy. You know, who the the Visine guy, the information's accurate. It's that you know, it gets the red out. That's all true. It's all but the it's it's just hard to listen to sometimes. Yeah. I was I had another thing that I was thinking about. Like I hate I hate the argument between the two because they really do kinda are kinda a lot of times it ends up being just people who are like hardlining, you know. I want to be controlling in my relationship, especially with men for whatever reason. And those arguments tend to more be, this is what I've always been told. Like, this is my tradition. This is my yeah, yeah, denominations. Yeah. This is what we believe, and it's got to be the Lord's word, right? Yeah, yeah. and God forbid there be a, another yeah. way that's right. Yeah, and um, remember that the this is how it always was is the reason why many Jewish people don't accept Yeshua. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just that way. Now, I want to deal with one more quick verse before we end, because it's one verse we haven't talked about. And it's the one where it says, uh, wives, uh, women, be silent in the congregation. If you have any questions, ask your husband when you get home. Yeah, God and forbid we look at historical context. Right. And that's one of the question. One of the things people always bring up. Women are supposed to be silent in the in the congregation. But if you read it in context, first of all, uh, the men and the women were separated uh, in in those di- days for various reasons, but one is because of the children, the noise, and those kind of things. Also, the cleanliness rituals and and, uh, and responsibilities. But the, the verse doesn't end with women be silent in the congregation. It continues with, if you have any questions, ask your husband at home. If the woman is teaching the teaching, if she's teaching the class, she's not the one who would ask questions to her husband at home who would need to understand. She would be the one presenting it, and the students would be the ones who were listening and saying, I don't quite understand that, or I didn't hear that correctly, or whatever. So the context of that verse doesn't make sense sense to say women aren't supposed to speak in the congregation at all because it go doesn't just end with women be silent in the congregation it goes on to if you have any questions ask your husband when you get home that's because the husbands were closer to the teaching and and were and so they they would hear and then they could answer those questions and uh from the noisy part of the room where the children and so you might need to describe like the physical layout of an ancient synagogue so that way because like closer to the teaching doesn't mean like yeah it was front and rear you would have the the men up front the women in the rear or the men on the floor the women up top um now you would also see men and women on separate sides right yeah yeah. um but you didn't necessarily have the space for that kind of a situation then but but also with that when i mentioned historical context you also got to remember gentiles coming in these were he's talking to gentiles that were and by the way this is further evidence that these gentile believers were plugging into judaism right so these were gentile new gentile believers plugging in judaism uh well where did gentile believers come from when they came to faith came from paganism right and in most pagan cultures women kind of ran the show Right, you had temple prostitutes that were predominantly female. The there best, were male, but the best from best yep. virgins. Yeah, and, and I mean the, the women were the the big dogs, if you would. And so when they were coming into a Jewish synagogue, where that really wasn't typically the case. Um, they had to learn something new, right? You can't be in the back. You didn't understand something and then disrupt 
everything, especially because Judaism is all about proper order right. and disrupt everything. Hey, I didn't hear that. Say it again. Repeat it again. Yeah, Say it one that, more time. Say that prayer again. Uh, and so that Paul was saying, look, don't disrupt everything. Don't come out of order to find out. Ask that question on your way home. Or better yet, go up to the, the rabbi or the or whoever's teaching at the end of the, the, the session and ask them or do you know whatever. But don't disrupt everything. Don't ruin everybody's experience. Uh, by right. and, and that, although... Paul is specifically saying that about women. That doesn't mean that men can't be disruptors also. Right. He also goes to say everything must be done in decency and in order in another place, which includes everybody. So, again, this is in context of the culture, the history, the time, and the words themselves. There's no way you can look at that verse and say women shouldn't be teachers based on that verse because it's not talking about women teachers. It's talking about women learners and how they should respond. Yeah, I was uh, before we went down that. I had I had had something before we went down that trail about like uh, one of the reasons why I can't stand this argument is um, all of us here are married. All of us, um, and uh, some of us have been married longer than others. But whenever I'm in these conversations in forums or on social media, it I don't. And this kind of thing always drives me nuts. Like when it's people who don't even really have a leg in the race are really championing a side, you know, and it's. You know, for whatever reason, you'll have like and and people look, that aren't married are the biggest proponents of. Well, it's 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 the single men right. that like you know you have these like super hardcore like you know almost I would say like abusive complementarian like views are like and they're like single they're unmarried the I'm young like, restless reform the young restless reform you know the daddy <laughs> problem boys um i would i would you know I, and so my thing is like look dude i hope you calm down so a woman will actually want you to take care of her and love her because right now you are not the caring loving kind of person yeah it's amazing so. how often it's the men who don't have wives that are expert at being husbands experts at marriage and the yeah. the parent people without children are the experts at how to handle children yeah. and uh, it's just not. Yeah, and I will say the, the same thing goes with egalitarianism. If you are like championing the feminist, you know, woke drive uh, on the egalitarian side, that's just as incorrect, just as wrong. But being a married man, it yeah. just it kind of speaks a little. It's it's a little weirder when I see you know young unmarried men like really like well you should treat your wife this way. It's like yeah, where's this wife? Yeah. That you My speak wife. Of? Yeah. The, the yeah. truth <laughs> of the matter is the truth of the matter is women <laughs> women are not the future. Unity is the future. Amen. And so whether it's male leader, female leader, what have you, our our goal, our target should be unity above all else. Right, and it should be biblical accuracy yeah. in this discussion. And when we look at the the fullness of the Bible, we see that there is a a role for a complementarian uh, format, while at the same time understanding that the egalitarian nature is housed within the full uh, yeah. scope of, of community. Yeah. Well, with that said, we thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope that it was uh, uh, as beneficial to you as it was enjoyable for us to have the conversation. If you have any questions or thoughts, please throw them out. Uh, by the way, just as a, a, a wrap out, I should have said this at the beginning, we did actually have somebody ask us a question about this this week. Um, it, it wasn't why it was brought up, but somebody did ask us, I want to hear your opinion on female rabbis. So there you go. You've heard our opinion, uh, which is we don't really know. So uh, enjoy it. But no, we we appreciate it. We hope that you guys were blessed I by have, this. We'll see you next time. I have some friends on one side, some friends on the other side, and I stand firmly with my friends. The question is, which of those friends would claim you? So no, thank you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Shalom. 
Thank you for listening to the Messy Antics Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. And be sure to follow and interact with us on social media at Messy Antics Podcast.